Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa with Charismatic Woman, and I am here with Jackie and Janet and Ellen and Lisa. And today we are going to discuss identity shifting and data points and why I think it matters, which on this particular call is probably going to be preaching to the choir. Um, and I mean, I, part of I think what sort of, it didn't spur my interest in this, but Jackie posted something a few days ago that actually caught my attention about New Year's planning and how meticulous she'd been with that in the, pla- in the past and how life just doesn't always work that way. I mean, we put a tremendous amount of emphasis and effort into however we frame our New Year's planning, whether it's resolutions or goals or a fresh set of intentions. I think most people, though, are still secretly harboring New Year's goals, even when they say they're not. I mean, those folks who like to pick a word or say they opt out, you almost can't opt out in the new year. And I have some. And like I said in my introduction, I'm I'm shockingly uninterested in my own goals at this point. And it's not that they don't matter, but I know it's the goal. It's not the goal that matters, actually. It's the becoming kind of the personal unfolding or the identity shifting that really matters. And identity shifting is... I think both tricky and incredibly simple all at the same time. And it is, in my belief, the core or sort of the germ of all things law of attraction. Without that internal shift, no, no creation can actually be made complete in the physical world. So identity shifting is critical towards manifestation. And so we've done this call, actually, I didn't realize that we had done this exact call until I went to schedule this call and realized I'd scheduled it before. It's almost exactly the same title. But we're going to talk about data points. And the reason that I like data points is because I'm a numbers girl. I like to be able to look at a spreadsheet or a checklist and actually know where I'm at in my work. And in terms of becoming the sort of identity shift, I think there are data points we can put on that map and check them off. And because this is a system that works, we know that the numbers really matter. I mean, if we are focused on what we are becoming 51% of the time, that is that tipping point in creation. If we're focused on it, you know, 99% of the time, that creation starts happening very, very rapidly. But the universe needs you to be focused on what you want or where you're going, what you're becoming more than what's focused in front of you, or we never get any traction in terms of creation. So the numbers really matter, and being able to keep track of the numbers matters. So I'm going to toss this over to you guys to go once around the room and just 
kind of check in to see what your thoughts on data points are, making the list, keeping track, keeping track of your numbers. Um, I can only imagine for some people keeping track of the numbers might not feel like fun, but maybe doing the data points would be useful or interesting. So, yeah. Janet, Jackie, you're not up first today. It's Janet who's up first. Janet, you're up first. I'm astounded. That's, that is weird. Okay. There's a long story about that that I will tell you guys another time. <laughs> but anywho, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 as soon as you sent out the, the, the email to, to, to sort of say what this call was going to be about, I was, I just thought, I am so ready for this. I, I have known it intellectually since you did Lifescaping back in the middle of 2014. Mm. And I have been so patchy with it. Um, one of the things I was aware of, for example, was that I, bed make, making my bed was going to be a data point for me. And it only works, I know it only works for me when I do it consciously as a deliberate act of engaging and lighting up a data point. So there's a kind of, there's, I think about this, I'm thinking about the kind of spreadsheet approach and thinking, oh my God, my Saturn is going to love this because it's really grounded. <laughs> but so much, you get so much traction with it. You know, it, it, either you did it or you didn't do it. And I'm also thinking there's a kind of like, <laughs> I'm starting to get this complicated thing in my head, which maybe isn't a good idea. I don't know. But like, I get half a point if I make my bed, but I get a whole point if I make it with with intent. And I really like that idea of kind of really, uh, the, the structure of it really appeals to me and I'm already starting to think about ways that I can tailor make it, that I can kind of um, customise it for for how I like to do things. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Jackie, what about you? Well, I know data points work. Um, I actually pulled out my list from the 31st of December 2015. I had it. It's in my journal um, <clears throat> of data points that I started. And looking through them, um, yeah, I'm, I, I did actually much better than I thought I had for the year. So, and but not with the specifics. Again, we're going back with the identity. Yes, with the specifics. No. So I really like this idea of, of fleshing out the identity. And I'll give you, uh, I mean, the reason I know it works is from um, from theater, really. We would, we would start with what amounted to data points about our characters by reading through the script. Um, I read a glorious article about David Suchet, who played, in my opinion, the best Hercule Poirot. And he, when he was given the role, he went through and read every single one of Agatha Christie's Poirot stories. And he kept a list of every time she mentions a personal thing about him, about the shortness of his stride, he walks very tight, about the gleam of his shoes, about the fact that his, um, his trousers always had this razor press down the center, the fact that he... Um, never wiped his mouth, always dabbed the corners, these kind of things. She, he made a list. He had about a 100. Um, and it was that list that he kept referring to over and over and over again as he created Poirot. And when, when I spoke to my daughter about it being David Suchet as Poirot, 
she had no idea it was him. He was so complete in the character, she had no idea it was him. And that is what method acting is supposed to do. Um, but it's the real total immersion of a person into a role, into an identity, so much so that the, the person he actually is, is lost. Meryl Streep does the same. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you can, and you can, you know, um, contrast that with somebody like um, the guy who played Chandler, Chandler Bing, Bing in Friends. Um, he is always himself. Kirk Douglas, always himself. Um, but these other people, these actors that immerse themselves into roles, they do it methodically. Yes, it's a talent and there's some intuition, but it's very methodical. That's why it's called the method. And this, what I noticed reading through my old list is that there wasn't enough about identity in it. There were, there were too many specifics that could easily um, change and did change. So my next expansion on this will be much more about beingness, um, about behavior, about um, just identity as opposed to, you know, the specifics like she earned this much in this month and sold this many programs and whatnot. That's not what I'm after. I want the beingness. I think it's, um, I know it's potent. I'm going to explore putting it on a, a spreadsheet. I am not a numbers girl, but I would really, really like to be. <laughs> so the idea of having a clipboard next to my bed that I check off things in the evening, I like that idea. So I'm going to try it. It's a nice anchor point. What you're talking about reminds me a little bit of, I think, my all-time favorite post of Jeanette Moss, which was the um, pocket litter post. Yes. And for anybody who didn't read that post, I would say go look it up. But, I mean, basically what she talked about, and I reference it all the time, I probably reference this post more often than she does. But if you're a spy and you're you're in character, kind of like you said, you're playing your spy role, you're undercover, and you got bested, like or somebody was checking you out, you would want to have the things in your pocket that that person was supposed to have carrying the kinds of things in your purse that that person would carry. Like if somebody was checking your space to see if you were really who you were saying you were, would your space and your spaces, purses, pockets, home, car, all of it, look that way? Would it be believable? I think that's very similar to what you're talking about. Oh, it's exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, so Lisa, thoughts, questions before we move into more of this? Um, yeah, first I apologize for my sexy voice. I've got like some kind of cold thing going on. Um, I hope I don't cough. But, you know, I'm very unfamiliar with the term data points. I've heard you, Lisa, use it a couple of times on um, on a couple of recordings. Um, and then when I saw the email this morning, it just it really piqued my interest. And and so, like, I thought, well, I'm going to kind of just, like, get into this now and see what I can do. Like, so, like, I took some notes. Like, when you said, you know, you want to know what she does. You want to know what she eats and how she dresses and what her thoughts are about wanting and about her body. So I took down some notes. And 
And, you know, me, I mean, my first career is in accounting, so I'm definitely a numbers girl, spreadsheets, all of that. And I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. So, like, I'm, like, all ready. I've got, I've got all my stuff ready. And I'm like, I can't wait for you to show me how to get this on a spreadsheet and how to quantify it. So I'm, I'm excited. Pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Southern California, and that is Ellen. Thoughts or oh. questions, Ellen? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I think it would be a very useful tool, uh, just as Lisa said. I think that um, it's, uh, it's not something I, I mean, I know that the, the consciousness that, that doing something like that can have um, maybe on behavior, um, being a little bit more on my on my game about that sort of thing, um, you know what I've done during the day, so I can I can um, uh, praise myself in a different way. At the end of the day, um, to really uh, see that quantifying going on, it, it, I think will be very useful. And we have New York on the call who is muted. I'm not sure who that is. New York, if you want to jump in with any comments or questions. Are you sure that's not me, Lisa? Uh, it might be. You you might be listed two places. Maybe it's you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, when I started my first data points list, and this was a couple of years ago, Jeanette and I had an interesting conversation where Jeanette kept saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, and she's right in her, yeah, but. Her, yeah, but was, why don't you just get to where, you know, feel it, just get to where you feel it, and then you'll manifest it. I mean, coming up with all these data points seems too complicated. And I think if you're like a master manifester on certain subjects, that's pretty easy. I mean, maybe you do just nail the feeling, but the reality of it is, is the data points work to help you nail the feeling. And from a sort of multiverse kind of quantum physics perspective, there is a reason for that, which kind of goes back to some of the work that we did in lifescaping, which is, I mean, there's an infinite number of possibilities in the universe happening at all times. I mean, that's M theory or any variety of sort of quantum physics. Most of those fields of study now concur with that assessment. There is an infinite number of possibilities running at all time. And like I have said, our job, putting it extraordinarily simply, like dumbing it down to pre-K level, is to navigate our way through the multiverse to the outcomes that we actually want to be experiencing. And so when you're looking at a wide open map of infinite possibilities, think of it as like a traffic jam. There are so many things on the board, it's hard to move forward. Each one of these data points actually starts to make a clearer path. It starts to, what is it, popping the cliff? Is that, the, is that right? I mean, it starts to eliminate other random possibilities. I mean, every time you toy with this and you get sharper and you're actually dialed down very intently and sort of physically on something that you want to be creating, you're eliminating other random possibilities in the multiverse. And the traffic gets less and less and less and less until it gets very easy to navigate yourself there. 
it is very, very easy to get to that destination because you've removed all the traffic in the road by eliminating all of these possibilities in the multiverse. And that is an extraordinarily oversimplistic explanation of why I think this really matters. And to Jeanette's point, I think for those of us who experience ourselves as maybe a little bit more human and just can't jump to that place of vibrating exactly what we want, these data points, these behaviors actually help to get us there in very concrete and measurable, I would say practicable, that's a word, ways on a regular basis. So thoughts on that. I won't go around the horn. I'll just toss it out to anybody who's got something on either of those two points, sort of the quantum physics point and the fact that this actually makes it easy or to nail the vibration than just jumping from point A to point Z all at once. For me, the, the nailing the vibration is occasionally easy. I think having the data points will be the absolutely perfect and um, what's the word I want? Ladder, step ladder for the days where jumping isn't easy. For the days where it's wobbly, where I'm tired, where it's whatever, those are the days that I need a list. It helps you stay in character in theatrical terms. So when exactly. the scenery falls down, you don't drop your character. Just handle it like your character would. Makes perfect sense. Janet, I know you've got something to say about quantum physics. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, well, to be honest, um, the qu- quantum physics is one of those areas where I kind of go, yeah, my, a part of, if I can just moment for a moment get on board with the idea that quantum physics works and is real then I'm happy mainly because I I genuinely don't understand it and Niels Bohr said if you if it doesn't freak you out then you haven't understood it so I figure it freaks me out enough that I go yep I kind of got it and now I have to walk away because otherwise my brain will explode um so I sort of take it on trust a little bit the, the quantum physics side of things and I I think that your articulation of it is spot on um, from the little that I do understand. Um, and for me, the big, the big thing that the data point approach does is the neurological one where our brains are wired for efficiency, which means if they're left to their own devices, all they expect is more of what's gone before. So their horizons of possibility from from our brain's perspective, their horizons of possibility look exactly like they've looked in the past. What the data points do is create a new set of memories for our brain, which it can then look at and go, oh, look, here are some possibilities that match this new identity. So it becomes, it's the, it's a, I like the ladder metaphor, Jackie. I think the, you know, I mean, when I do work with clients, I would refer to these as anchors. You know, the data points, I call them anchors. And it's the way we physically retrain and rewire our brains to become the brain of the new identity. So if my new identity is um, somebody who is content with their life, no matter what the externals look like, for example, um, then the way that I rewire my brain to match that is by creating the anchor points or the data points and then doing them, whatever they look like, whatever those data points look like. Okay. 
Anybody else have anything on that? Sounds so profound to say I'm going to rewire my brain to be the brain of the person I want to be. It's amazing, isn't it, that we can do that? It is amazing. And it's amazing that we didn't know we could do that until the last sort of half of the 20th century. We only began to suspect that we could do that very recently. I was just going to say exactly the same thing. Really, within the last five years, neuroplasticity has taught us a lot about what's possible for for retraining, rewiring, literally reshaping how the brain functions. And, I mean, the implications of that are huge. I mean, the implications of that are to some degree you can become inside. I mean, you can, you can think like anyone thinks. And that is a powerful, powerful thought to me. Like, I can look at somebody who is achieving something or who has learned something or is doing something and I no longer have the valid, very many valid excuses because I know that at the very least, I can think the way they do. Great. When I first started this, like I said, a couple of years ago, and Jeanette and I had our sort of gnarly conversations on this subject, and and I, I really thought to myself, what are a hundred things about her? And I thought to myself, it would not be hard to come up with a hundred things, a hundred little bits of information about who I'm trying to become. And that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, anybody who's done this exercise knows that at about 20, you're starting to really have to think it through. And my 2017 list, which may not be fully complete, but it's pretty close to complete, is 50 points. And when I did my 2016 list, I had to really struggle to get to 40. So I have a feeling I'm getting better at this and getting, and getting more acquainted with her. But I also added more specifics onto my list this year, very specifically having to do with health and nutrition that I had sort of generalized last year. But I, I realize now that those specific points actually do matter. I think I've been spending too much time in Tim Ferriss' blog. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that there's it, it requires a little bit of effort to stretch yourself past what's obvious. I mean, there are some things that are going to feel really obvious. The first 10 or 20 might be easy. But in my experience, beyond that first 20, I felt like it was a stretch. For those you guys who have done it, did you feel that way also? Yep. Mm, yes. And that's the point. And right? I, it's supposed to, because if you knew her so well, you'd be her by now. Exactly. Exactly that point. And I wonder, too, whether this is one of those things where that number might be different for different people. And the the real skill is, or the sort of meta skill, I suppose, is feeling that out so that you can know whether this is so much of a stretch that you broke, that you break the system and then you end up not doing it at all, or whether it's, you know, just because it's a stretch for Lisa or Jackie or Janet, that maybe you actually need more to in order to create a stretch for you, the individual, you know, the... the um, collective view um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know that I have an opinion on that because I haven't really trialled it enough to see. I haven't. I haven't asked for that feedback from people that I've used it with. But it seems that seems to be about the right proportion for most people. I mean, the tricky bit in there is, and I think you said something that is important. Like, if it gets to feel overwhelming, it might become a problem. But the reality of it is, is if I believe these things about her, I have to get there. I mean, either I need to reshape my belief about what that future me would look like and the things that are required of me to get there, like challenge those as limiting beliefs and try and ditch them, or I have to step up to that place or it will never happen because my belief about that is what rules my reality. When we talk about wealthy people, for example, I mean, everybody's going to have different ideas about what wealthy people are like or what's, you know, what they require of themselves. I mean, we all kind of have a different bird's eye view of what that might really be, taking it to that next level of wealth. But it doesn't matter. I mean, there's no one right equation for each one of us. Sorry about my dogs. I don't know why they're doing that. And now they're going to get really rowdy. There's not one equation for great wealth. The equation that matters is the equation that we already believe. We can't trick ourselves in this identity shift. If I think I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z to be a wealthy person, if I don't get, if I don't do those things, I'm, the universe is not going to deliver wealth to me because I can't buck my own beliefs about that reality. Does that make sense? Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, so do you do you then go into the structure of wow? Well, maybe that belief is not is, is not the reality for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe that belief doesn't have to be the reality, and I think that that's and when when you're doing this work, you kind of see some of the beliefs that you want to shift. I mean, if if I saw it on my data points list that my future super uber happy thriving successful self had to work 16 hours a day to get it done that is a belief that I might really want to invest in shifting that's one that I don't like I mean and I might want to find as many ways as I could to challenge that and as much evidence to the contrary as I can to show myself a different reality but I mean some of these things as long as I know what they are like I can totally pretty easily check them off. But if I don't check them off, I'm not getting myself there. So you kind of have two options, either acknowledge your beliefs and roll with them if they're healthy, or acknowledge your beliefs and isolate and identify the ones that aren't and then really do the work to shift the belief. So how are you quantifying, like let's say on a daily basis, you, what I mean, are you or I mean, what, what is the what is the the like procedure for checkpoint? Are you are you are you saying okay, daily I'm looking at these points, or weekly I'm looking at these points, or monthly I'm looking at these points, or I'm looking at only a portion of, or how are you doing that? I mean, it's hundred well, points. Well, it's not a hundred points. It's fifty points. That's as far as I can get. So. <laughs> I am I am looking at a spreadsheet, and in the left-hand column, the sort of first column, the column A, I have my list of my 50 going down. It's not a row. It's a column. I have my 50 data points, 1 through 50. 
And then going across the top on the first row, I have 1 through 31. So that is every day of the month. So I do try to look at this every day. I will say track I do way better when I'm checking it every day. Like I can go back and look at last year, and I can tell you sort of chronologically where I really slumped off and where my progress was really slow. I wasn't keeping track. I mean, my husband's pretty famous for saying you can't – what you can measure, you can improve. Mm-hmm. And so the daily measurement really matters for me. I mean, some people might find that overwhelming, but for me it's, it's a thing. So it's a basic spreadsheet. First column is my data points. Top row is a day for every day in the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I don't have to get all of them. I only have to get, you know, like I said, I'm shooting for that 51% mark. Mm-hmm. So not everything on this list is happen every day. Some of them might be weekly kind of items, but I shoot for trying to get them all. So I didn't put things on this list like going to get a massage. And then I might add that, but I know I'm not going to try to do that every day. That might be something I give myself an easy extra credit for every once in a while, but it's not on the list. Um, Would you like me to really quickly run through the highlights of my list with you guys, and then I'll give you the questions to work with? That'd be good. And I mean, some of this is really just very Lisa-centric, but it'll give you a clue kind of how I was thinking. Um. These are things that she does. Full morning ritual, meditates, I script, visualize, or pray, rain, journal daily, uses EFT daily, connects with Kevin daily, uses affirmations and turns around daily, um, family or couple alignment practice, takes a nap or a rest break, qigong and or yoga, goes for a walk, core, Series yoga or planks every day, brain bomb times two, that's a specific nutritional supplement I do twice a day, a series of supplements. Um, neuro supplements, bee pollen, ghee and honey before bed, facial exercises, proper skin care, camera ready wardrobe and makeup daily, keeps closets, closet drawers and wardrobe organized, keeps an up-to-date daily schedule, reviews schedule before bed, confirms appointments the next day before bed, keeps an up-to-date and current to-do list, keeps a client payment log, stays current on email, stays in touch with clients, gifts clients regularly, sends newsletter daily, um, stays on blog posts, social media, automates newsletters when possible, works with the best tech popular, possible, works with the best support team and delegates well, compensates team well, proud of the work that gets put out, makes bed daily, keeps house clean and organized, Keeps an organized and inspirational workspace. Keeps cars clean and organized. Stays on tops of on tops of billing. Handles money like a boss. Keeps financial records consistently. Consistently thinks empowered thoughts about money. Consistently thinks loving and supportive thoughts about body. On top of Kingston schoolwork. Spends connected time with David daily. Talks to mom and dad weekly. Connects with sister weekly. Connects with Caleb several times a week. Okay. Wow. So I can see how I, that's quantifiable. I, I, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure exactly what, what you were quantifying. I didn't know if you were quantifying how you felt or, or where you were going. You're quantifying what you want to be doing now, it seems. My 
my first list when I first did this had a lot of feeling-esque stuff. She uh-huh. feels, she feels. And what I have kind of learned from my experience, which may not apply for everyone, is these things actually create the feeling state. If I'm doing the things I know I need to do, those feelings anchor more naturally. If I was going to do some more work around this list, which I probably will, I would be even more specific about the kind of thoughts she's thinking. So that as I'm practicing with this, I can literally insert, sort of force feed myself those kinds of thoughts. Uh Lisa, can I ask a question in relation to that? Mm -hmm. Um, The because I'm really interested in this balance between whether the data points are feeling points or um, thinking points, you know, the thoughts that she has or the behavior points, because I I like to make a distinction between behavior and action, because for me, linguistically, they're slightly different. If I'm taking an action in order to become the identity, that feels a bit muggle-ish. And whether, but when I'm behaving as though I am in that new identity, it's a it's much more aligned. So that's making me think about the whether the the way for me to think about this when I'm creating my list to find that balance for me. The question I might want to ask myself is how do I in, how would I inhabit that new identity so that when I'm actually and this kind of goes back to what I was saying before when I you know if making my bed if it's just something I do without even thinking about it. Does that does that really count, or do I would I benefit more? And for me, I think I would, if I am consciously making my bed and in inha- and using that as my touchstone for inhabiting my new identity, which in turn helps to elicit the feeling of that new identity. Is that making sense? <laughs> does make sense? No. Um, it, I, I was I was thinking about the making the bed thing because that became such a thing for me that it changed, it, it actually completely changed how my morning went. It wasn't like I was just making the bed. I was lighting incense. I was um, saying my affirmations. I was doing all of this stuff around making my bed. You know, so it became like this ritual. It wasn't, you know, the action of just making the bed. It became the ritual that became my, the impetus for my day. Right. I think that that is is a natural outcropping. Like when I look at my list, I see things that might look like um, to-do items to some degree, but they are, they do represent behaviors to me. When I say she keeps on top of her billing, that might look like something that is a very muggle activity. But it represents a behavior to me that is, is really important. Um, I, and I agree with you, Janet. I mean, behavior is infinitely more important to me than action steps. But sometimes for me, and this may not translate straight across the board, I mean, those, those, those action steps may actually be symbolic of behaviors. What I found when it comes to the, the feeling states, like I said, I mean, my last list, had a lot of feeling kind of states on it. Like she feels confident. 
But what I know is that if I go for my walk, I put on my makeup and I'm managing my wardrobe, I feel confident. Like mandating a feeling state didn't work for me. Like really getting into her head and identifying the things that created those feeling steps for those feeling states for her were really important. I think that's so valuable, Lisa. I just think that's um, because I know from my own experience that that's often been one of my, but like, <laughs> well, I've had conversations with people in LOA world who have said, with some bafflement, "Well, just change how you feel about that," and I'm like. I, I don't think I can I can do that about some things, but simply choosing a feeling doesn't always cut it for me. I so having this kind of like you said, whether it's a behaviour or a, a thing you wear or it, some kind of talisman, some kind of anchor, it gives me the traction to get to that feeling place. Right. I mean, my future self is always anchored in a state of what I would call elegant, elegant peace an elegant gracefulness. But I can't necessarily just demand that of myself. What I know is that my morning ritual gets me there. Meditating every day anchors that. You know, working with ESP or an energy clearing thing helps anchor that elegant grace, that peacefulness. Uh, you know, it's it was too much it was too much of a stretch, maybe going back to what Jeanette said. For me, just to be able to 51% of the time decide this is the feeling state that she's going to have and just get there without dissecting what it means for her to stay there, what, how she got there, how she anchors those feeling states is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that before we kind of break down the how I approached my list and then sort of this list of questions? Um, so if I look at my list, I started with my spiritual practice. What are the elements of rocking my spiritual practice, which is a business activity in my book, but that's just me. So I mean, morning ritual, meditate, script and visualize, EFT, connect with coven, uses affirmations or affirmations and turnarounds. Doing some sort of family or couple-based alignment practice, taking a nap or a rest break, like all of those things. To me, those pieces—we might call them the LOA pieces, the spiritual practice pieces—those went on my list first this time. And you would have think they would have gone on my list first last time, but they weren't. They were interspersed here and there, and kind of dropped in as an afterthought. Putting that element of my of, of sort of that ideal place that I want to be with my practices first laid sort of a foundation for some of the rest of the pieces. And next, I looked at health and body kind of stuff. I mean, Qigong, walking, yoga, core plank, my supplements, my skincare, that kind of stuff went on my list next. And I did that in fairly great detail because, frankly, I mean, the woman that I'm becoming, those two things probably take up, I'm going to say, the majority of a space in her day, you know, her spiritual practice and her body-related self-care. That's going to be a chunk of it. I may not feel like I have time to make it a chunk now, but in the future, that's where I'm shooting for. 
So putting those two, those two things on the list first really mattered. And then I got into other kinds of sort of personal related habits, like keeping, you know, drawers and closets organized, my schedule, my wardrobe, how I manage sort of the day-to-day managerial stuff of my life went on next. And for me, I think that was key because that's one area where I start feeling like I'm spinning out of control, kind of the management aspects of my day-to-day life tends to get really frayed around the edges. And I know that's not everybody's issue, but it is an issue for me. So that went on the list next, followed by business-esque things, which for those of us, when I look at this list of us who are here, is most of us who are on the call, business-esque things went on my list not near the top. I mean, nearer the bottom. Because... And that is different. When I did this before, business-led, which we know probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but it was what came to the top of my mind at the time. Like now I realize that without the foundational pieces of this kind of list, then I'm not going to be able to maintain sort of that daily management or the business-esque stuff anyway. Um, And I mean, I'm noticing about my list, which probably sort of speaks to, I I hope it doesn't speak to my priorities, but I mean, I put my family strangely at the bottom of the list. Kingston School, spends time with Daly, talks to mom and dad, my sister, my kids. Like that went on the bottom of the list and I don't think it happened because it was a lower priority, but because that's something that I already nail pretty well. So I didn't feel like, I mean, it doesn't rise to the top it's, I'm already kind of got that part of this life of, or my life down. So I didn't put it near the top, not because it wasn't a priority. Um, this year, it makes more sense. I was much more organized as I put it together of keeping my categories together rather than bouncing all over the place. If you had looked at my 2016 list, it was like a fruit basket upset. But being able to keep kind of all of the categories in one stream of consciousness so I could add and subtract and have that make sense made it a lot easier for me. Um, And I would say, you know, again, if I was to add to this list, I would, what I will probably add are more data points about specifically how she thinks about things so I can practice those thoughts more intentionally. Any thoughts before we get into the questions? Or do we really need to do the list of questions? Do you guys kind of have a handle on what we're doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lisa, can I ask a question about the... Um, I really like this idea of, of having the different categories and then having how she thinks about things as a separate thing. Um, I know that you talked in the um, Coaches League call recently about the practice you're playing with at the moment or have been playing with recently where you have a specific um, thing that you're focused on and you're doing this um, thing where you, 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 you have a particular practice around that and you do it for three days and then you change it up. So does that fit into your, how does that fit into your data points? Is that something, would you have a data point that says something like she does a practice every day and then you 
change that up as you feel it. It's exactly what it is. I mean, when I look at my list, the three days three-way practice that I'm doing right now is something that I do with David. I mean, it's something that for the most part we do together. So when I look at my list down here at number eight is family or couple alignment practice. Oh, I love that. Okay, good. Got it. I could, it's really useful to see an example, a very, very specific and detailed example of how that plays out. I really like that. Thank you. And I mean, occasionally I'll even play with that with Kingston. Like, but we've been doing some really powerful, we've been working that process, the three of us together, kind of as a bedtime routine with Kingston before he goes to bed so he gets to participate, which is actually why I added family or couple alignment time. David and I often do processes like that, though. So that would be one place where I sort of inserted inserted something new or different there. But, yeah, I mean, you could just put alignment practice, you know, something that you're doing every day, and then you could give yourself some latitude to swap that out, which I suspect my future self loves that kind of freedom to be able to swap it out, but she wouldn't, it wouldn't work for her if it disappeared entirely. Mm. So... Let's go through the list really quick and see if we have any final wrap-up questions or thoughts before we get going. Were those your wrap-up questions or thoughts, Janet? Pretty much, yeah. Thank you. Jackie? Uh, I like it. It's given me some extras. I still will um, have, because it's me, have things like um, wardrobe, costume, uh, rhythm of my day, that kind of thing, um, because those things are important to me. Um, and uh, physical stuff, as in um, eating and uh, preparation of food and that kind of thing, I, because that's that's my happy place. So, and those are where I anchor my becoming as well. So, um, but I like the idea of having categories and the how she thinks about things. I had that splattered all around my list last time too. I like having it in a separate section. I will say that um, last time we did this, I um, I started doing a study of billionaires because I figured I didn't know enough about being a billionaire to have data points that would bring me there. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's been a very interesting exercise. It's not something I'm not going to study billionaires this time. I'm not quite sure what, who, what I'll go to look to curate information, curate data points. Um, but Meryl Streep, for example, was a brilliant, um, a data point for me like yesterday because she took a personal triumph and a war and made it and leveraged it it for a cause that she believes in for a to to make a statement that meant something much more than what her award was about and i thought oh i'm going to do that if i ever get an oscar or if i get a get an award i will use it um it's fame as leverage and fame as leverage is a coordinate a, a, a point for me so um it's those kind of things of the idea of studying the the kind of people who do or who be who you want the kind of person you want to be 
they can be very useful sources of identity points, of data points for us. I agree. I remember when you started your study of, of billionaires, and one of the reasons that inspired me that the data points were at work in the first place was that I realized from watching some of my clients work that some of those people do things differently than I did, just in general. Yeah. And so, there was one fabulous one that I that I actually feel that I've done much better this year. Um, it's that it's not answering immediately. When I say not answering immediately, it's a case of um, I'll get back to you on that, which stopped me saying yes to things I'd rather have said no to. Um, and it also, uh, I tend to um, think on my feet, which is a very natural thing, but sometimes that's not always wise. So, so giving me time to um, get, then say what I think has had profound effect on, on my life, and especially as I'm handling my kids, I find. Um, and so that's been it's been extremely useful, and that was from the uh, the study of billionaires. I, that I can see good. that. Mm -hmm. Lisa, how about you? Um, you know what I was what was coming up for me is that so like and you kind of addressed this too, Lisa, in your list. You said that some of the things that are towards the bottom of your list are things that you already do well. So. Like, because I told you I came up with some things on my own earlier, and some of the things are things that I already do. And But it's not that I necessarily, when I do them, give myself credit for doing them as becoming a part, as being a part of this woman I'd like to become. So I think what doing this and putting this on a spreadsheet and having this list and keeping score is going to let me do it. It's going to make me more aware and um and I'll actually give myself credit and uh, as I'm doing these, these things. Does, does that make sense? And I think being aware of them and shining a spotlight on the things that we're already doing actually gives you extra points towards the manifestation because yeah, they become intentional. Yeah. So, like, is that cheating or should I be racking my brain looking no. for other aspects of this woman? No. No. I don't think that's okay. cheating at all. I mean, I think okay. that... And she is who she is. I mean, if you're already partway her, you should definitely be noticing that you are partway her. The uh, noticing yeah. is very powerful. That's very similar to Janet's distinction about making the bed consciously and intentionally or making it rotate. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. So yeah. I would definitely put those things on the list and give okay. yourself credit for them. That's awesome. Um, Thank you. Ellen, how about you? Thoughts or questions? Um, no, I don't have any questions. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really um, uh, glad to hear what other people have uh, been, been doing with the list. I mean, I think it's very, a very powerful tool. Um, and uh, quantifying is very useful. Um, and um, uh, seeing who you already are and seeing the power in that, I think is. Uh, is really useful um, seeing the shifts that you've made over the years and and, um, and the strength that you have and then working from there is really a very powerful thing um, and it's interesting for me because I was listening to you talk about your spiritual practice 
um, as being, you know, the spiritual things you do, um, your meditation and all that sort of thing. And for me, I kind of feel like almost everything I do is a spiritual practice. So I kind of, it's good to sort of ground it a little bit more, um, you know, especially with the organizing and things like that, um, so that I uh, I can quantify it, you know, in a way that um, I don't generally do. I, I don't generally quantify my day-to-day practice, my day-to-day thing. So, um, so that's important. That's important for somebody like me who's who's um, more in that spiritual realm than in the concrete world realm. So it's good. Right. I mean, you are a good example of it. That making your bed turned into a whole very anchored, <laughs> grounded, sacred ritual. So yeah. Well, I, yeah, I guess I and and it's almost like I I I get a little bit uh, freaked out if I don't do it. So I have, and I, but it's it's really good because it reminds me that um, that I have power in my day. Right. You know, from the beginning. Excellent. So I think that's it. I gotta go get ready for a ball. Mm. Oh, have some time. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, Lisa. Uh-huh. Uh, would you have, you feel free to say no? But um, would you be willing to share your list of questions in the in the group if they're personal and private? And you're not ready to sh- keen to share them. That's cool. I, no. I don't want to. That'd I'm be good. Totally, I will totally put together the list of questions and I'll put it in the Facebook group. Not right this That'd second because be awesome. I got to get ready for the ball. But oh, I, not, not, right, not right away. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Making a to, do to do it in the morning. I, oh, you know, can we just say it's it's not all about the green dress for those of you who read the dress. I <laughs> was not my highest joy, <laughs> and it's one of those things. It's like nobody will notice if I'm not there, but people do notice when you are there. And I am in a place politically right now where that makes a difference. It and really I, matters where you are, yeah. I just. I've, I've got to spend some time this evening, like amping up my vibration around enjoying the ball because I just am not feeling it. It is so freaking cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily you don't have fun to go, right? Uh, and, I mean, as close as I am, which is literally pretty much right across the street and down the way, it's easily, it, it's ridiculous to say it's not walking distance because it's right across the street. We are taking an Uber. Lisa, it would be walking distance if you were wearing ski clothes, but it's never walking distance in a ball gown. Nowhere yeah, is walking seriously. distance in a ball gown. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely must be dropped off at the front door. Absolutely. And, and we were talking about it with Kingston because to make this even more fun, we've invited my mother-in-law to go with us. Oh, so, wow. Wow. And the mother-in-law are coming, and I was joking with Kingston about how he is my date tonight. And we literally (laughs) gave him like a written list of things that are either things that are your duty when you are the date of a woman who's wearing a ball gown. (laughs) Oh, it's so cool! Awesome. 
Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, have a fantastic We want all the details afterwards. Seriously. I will. Definitely. I want to see a picture. Oh, yeah, I want to see a picture, too. Absolutely. (laughs) The detail that matters most is that I am getting dropped off at the door. Beyond that, (laughs) we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Have a wonderful I think that's time, awesome. sweetie. Fantastic. Okay, stay warm. Have Talk a ball. Soon. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.